0: You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. hello and welcome back to season 3 of digital state of mind we are here today with my lawyer chandler j we're going to be diving into all kinds of fun legal things we'll, we'll make uh we'll make uh, The legalities fun this time because I know some people it stresses them out a lot. (laughs) I think this is gonna be a super helpful episode for business owners who are already established, and also business owners who are new coming into the online space because it can be really terrifying to be starting a business and trying to figure out the legal side of things. So uh, we're going to cover it today. Chandler, thank you for being here. I am going to have you just tell us about your story, introduce yourself, tell us how you got to where you are now. I feel like you have a unique perspective because you work a lot in the online space versus just working with in-person clients. So tell us how you got started. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I got started in this space because, I mean, we're all on Instagram, right? Like we're all
1: on social media. We're looking at all this stuff. And when I, it's kind of twofold. Number one, when I was starting my legal career, I was like, I don't want to be in court all day, 24 seven, I don't want to have mm-hmm. to like do this and do that and constantly bounce around. I wanted to reverse engineer my life. And it was at the same time that everything on social media and on Instagram and online businesses were really popping off. And so it gave me the opportunity because I saw a gap right in the in the legal field where it's like, all right, everyone thinks that laws apply, obviously, when it comes to brick and mortar businesses. But everything legal still applies, even if you're in the online space. So I saw this big gap and I chose to just help be that bridge and give people knowledge and access to resources to be able to, you know, help bridge that gap and make sure people are set up, they're Mm -hmm. safe and they're protected in their business, all that good stuff.
0: I love it. So when, how long were you just practicing in person? And then when did you switch to also working online?
1: So I started from the jump. I started from the jump directly online. Yeah. So it was, I started my firm pretty much right before the pandemic hit. Uh, So Mm. I I thankfully was kind of set up prior to everything hitting. Um, But it's Mm. been cool because then right when, you know, the pandemic hit, everyone went online, even a lot of lawyers went online. And I think it's powerful because I've always had the perspective that, the legal industry as a whole is changing. I right. hate going to appointments. Like I, I literally mm-hmm. detest having to drive to the doctors. Same thing I feel like people feel when it comes to lawyers. Like you don't want to drive 20 minutes that have to sit and wait another 20 minutes before right. they actually see you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when you operate in the virtual space, you're able to be more timely with things, right? Like I am never late to a meeting. I will always mm-hmm. be on time. To meetings with clients and so I think it just is really a testament to how everything is changing as a whole because people number one want things to be more accessible they want Mm -hmm. things to be more convenient and easier and so operating in an online space has really allowed me to help make that a possibility for people.
0: Mm -hmm. And what do you notice are really like the biggest Well, let me say this first. I know like specifically with accountants that work in the online space, there is this kind of like huge divide between accounting for online business owners versus accounting for maybe brick and mortar businesses. Do you feel like that is the same with law, that it's just a very different mindset working with business owners that are online versus in person?
1: Mindset-wise, I would say that people in the online space don't think that the laws apply necessarily to them. The same way is mm-hmm. that when you're starting a brick-and-mortar business, I think it's almost like a given. People are like, oh, I need to hire a lawyer. I don't know what's happening. I don't want to get in trouble. When you operate mm-hmm. from home or you operate virtually, you almost feel more untouchable. And you think that certain mm-hmm. things just aren't going to happen to you until they do. And then you're in this position right. where it's like you're SOL and you're like, okay, just kidding. I actually do need help. I do need to get uh-huh. this stuff figured out.
0: Yeah. yeah, somebody's just coming for all that you've got. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So as far as like kind of on the same lines is that whenever you enter into the online space, what do you feel like is really unique about being a business owner in the online space when it comes to legalities that a lot of newer business owners who potentially have really never been exposed to the business world in general may not know about whenever they first start?
1: I feel like people enter the online space and they don't understand how bad copying is, right? Like you can't yeah. just copy people. Like that is like the number one thing. There's a difference between, you know, getting inspiration from someone versus right. directly copying them. And I see so much of people, like so many people just directly copying and I don't necessarily see, Think that people see as big of a problem with that until it happens to them, and then they're like, "Wait, don't copy me!" Like you know, even though maybe when they first entered the online space, they were doing the copying, and now they're at this place where people look up to them, admire them, and it's like now people start copying you, and you're like, "Well, shit, no!" Like I don't want that. So being aware of how detrimental that is, not only to you as a new business owner, but also Mm -hmm. to the business owners that you're actually copying.
0: Yeah, this is. I feel like this is one of the, like most recent things we talked yeah. about. <laughs> it's like, yep. it is so. It's so crazy because sometimes there's there's just such a fine line that is so blurry. Because obviously there's the taking inspiration from things and then kind of making it your own, and then sometimes it is just outright copying and um, like a couple of things are tweaked. But it blows my mind how brazen some people are with. that. Like I don't know if they are just not thinking that people will notice, or if they maybe are not even aware that they're doing it. I'm sure it's probably a mix of both. But how often do you see that? All the time. It's like
1: every yeah. single, day, every single day, someone's copying someone. I mean, it it even happens like to me as a lawyer. Like I see other lawyers yeah. copying stuff I do, and I'm like, mm, uh, one plus one. Like, the math <laughs> like- is not math in here, okay? <laughs> like it's not adding up, but it's truly it's not just the fact like you shouldn't just copy it's also a mindset thing that I think people need to take into consideration because it's Mm -hmm. like you see someone and you think well they're successful and this is how they do it so if I copy them and I follow step by step then I'll be successful and that's not true like I truly believe the reason people are successful is because of who you are at the core and if you let Mm -hmm. who you are shine through that is what's going to make you successful but trying to copy Someone else is not going to get you there because people are going to be able to tell that it's not you. It's not aligned. It's not you at all, you know? So,
0: yeah. And it's also, I talk to this about with my students a lot, you will always be multiple steps behind someone else if that is what you're doing. Like, you will never be able to reach the full potential that you could have if you were creating for yourself versus looking at someone else to be your kind of beacon of light for exactly what you should do, because it usually never works that way. You shoot yourself in the foot more often than not with doing that.
1: You do. If you're just trying to continually copy someone, you're all, you're always going to be behind
0: 100%. And with that for any business owner, like especially as you start to grow and as you maybe have more of an audience or, Um, you're, you're just, obviously everyone's business is their baby and you value everything that you create. So what are some of the things, I guess, can you kind of walk us through what is and isn't protected under your brand as far as copying goes? Because sometimes, I I mean, are there often situations where someone does it and there's just not anything that you can do? It depends.
1: So here's the thing. Your protections are only as good as you're willing to enforce them. Right. So I I always say that. And it's, it's something that there's so much work that you want to do to be preventative. And there's a lot of work that we can do to be preventative, because when it comes to everything legal, you want to be preventative rather than reactive. When it's in criminal law, the preventative part would be like, don't break the law, right? (laughs) But criminal defense lawyers don't come into play until the reactive part where it's like, okay, you did do something illegal. Now we have to help you. My job is on the proactive side where I'm like, I want to keep you from having to deal with any of these things anyways, but there's only so much that we can do to like, we we can give you this protective bubble, but people can still poke. And if Mm -hmm. they poke, then what are we going to do about it, right? So when it comes to protecting, obviously you want to lay everything out in your contracts. You want to protect your intellectual property. You want to protect, you know, anything that's in your programs. You want to protect your processes, stuff like that. Um, and then when it comes to trademarking, you want to protect your brand name and all the brand identifiers that you have under that. When it comes to copyright, those are things that you want to protect. You can... It, Copyright is for literary works of art, right? So if you write a song or you have a specific design or something like that, those things can be copyrighted. And you automatically have a copyright in the things that you create. Like, automatically. It's not something you have to go out of your way to file. So the second pen hits paper, the second fingers hit keyboard, you automatically have a copyright in that material. The caveat to that is it's really difficult to enforce Unless mm-hmm. you have it registered. So if you have a registered copyright, then there's a lot that you can do and you can sue and you can get damages. But if you don't have a registered copyright, you know, then pretty much the best you can do is send a cease and desist and tell them to stop um, and then hope that they mm-hmm. comply. If they don't, you know, then it depends on how far are you willing to enforce it. So that's right. what it comes down to.
0: And that's, I guess, similar with contracts as well. You know, it's there's a lot of situations, especially working in the online space where people may do things and back out of things that they wouldn't necessarily in person. And does it often end up being a situation where the contract is there to kind of again, be proactive with it. But if someone was to go outside of the terms of that contract, it's dependent on if you are willing to kind of spend the money that it would take to pursue it. Correct. And to enforce it. It comes down to enforcement of it, you know? And that's where a lot of people get caught up because it's like, well, you know...
1: there's two sides to this. When it comes to, say say you're in a contract with someone and they back out and they still have, say, six months left on their contract and they're supposed to be paying you however much money in months for a remainder of mm-hmm. six months. And say it's $1,000 a month for six more months. And you're like, I don't really want to lose out on that, right? But then again, it, it's not necessarily worth the money, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, if I, I this same energy that I could take, I could go find a new client that's going to pay me double that. So maybe it's not with the energy or the time, but for a lot of people, it's about the principle. That's what I find with a lot of my clients. It's about principle. It's not about the money at all. It's about principle right mm-hmm. because so many of the people I work with are like when it comes to if someone's defaulting on a payment or something it's like I they've already tried to work with them they've given them an extended payment right. plan and it's like the more you bend over backwards for people the more they want to fuck you over and then it becomes and then so, mad. <laughs> yes yes that's when it's like it is about principles and so at that point, it's like, all right, your contract's good, but you have to be willing to enforce it. So are you either a going to file a suit, and that depends on the monetary amount, right? You can file in small claims, mm-hmm. or you could file, you know, normally whatever. Or another thing, it, which a lot of clients tend to do, is take them to collections, send them to collections you know? And so it's once, once they're in collections and the collections people start to take over and handle it and talk to them and do that reaching out and that, that enforcement side of it and people's credit take it, takes a hit. Mm-hmm. So if you're defaulting on a payment and credit, credit's good, not only are you now in collections, not only is your credit taking a hit, but they will, if they can't collect on that, they will sue. Like the collections agencies will yeah. sue for you. So, I mean, it's, yeah. It comes down That's to an enforcing an it.
0: Process. And mm-hmm. with with kind of talking about that and going back to like copywriting and trademarking and all of that, can you specifically talk a little bit more about trademarks, like what, what that process looks like, when that process is appropriate, and what, I guess, when you should choose to trademark something, like when that comes in your business?
1: Yep. So... The two sides number one I'm going to be biased so I'm going to say right away number two I'm going to give the most lawyer answer ever and say it depends uh because yeah. it does and that depends on number one how tied to you are the name like how, how tied to you mm. are that name is it something that you don't want to have to rebrand there's two sides to this too because when you're starting a brand it's not just I want ownership over the brand. It's you need to make sure you can even use this in the first place. So the question yeah. I always like to ask people, right, it's, it's twofold. Number one, when you're when you're building a house, are you going to lay the foundation first or are you going to paint the walls? Yeah. You're going to lay the foundation. You have to. And you don't necessarily want to. You want to paint the walls. I get it. It's fun. But if you don't lay that foundation, there will be no walls to paint. So when it comes to, you know, moving into that house, Are you going to just move in or are you going to make sure no one lives there first? You got to make sure no one lives there first before you move in. Otherwise, you're trying to move in and someone's going to defend their property because they're like, wait, hold on. No, no, no. This isn't your house. This is my house. And that's Mm -hmm. how, you know, when it it comes to trademarking, that's what applies. You have to make sure that a name is even clear and good to move forward with before you start using a brand name because you don't know if that's even permissible. You could be infringing on someone else's trademark and not even know it. And unfortunately, intent doesn't matter. Whether you intend to do it or you don't intend to do it, all that matters is, did you do it? And if you did, then you can get sued in federal court. Obviously, Mm -hmm. no one wants that. So there's that side of it. Number one, making sure it's clear that you can actually move forward with it. The second part of that is, if it's important to you, then you absolutely want to get rights to that name because you want to protect no one else from coming in and trademarking it. And it's mm-hmm. a matter of, you know, sometimes people are like, well, trademarks aren't a one and done thing. A lot of times you have more than one thing you need to trademark. So it really comes down to prioritizing, which comes first mm-hmm. and For most people, that's the overarching brand name, because an overarching brand name is a lot more difficult to change than, say, the name of a course, right? Right. Like, for the most part, you can change the name of a course, you can switch out the name, but it's harder to change, like, an overall brand name or a product line or something like that. Those are really difficult things to change. And people invest a lot of money to bring those things to life. So if you're investing all this money to bring to life, why are you not protecting it? You're bringing something to life that you may not even own. And so it becomes really dangerous when, you know, business owners walk that line and they're not securing rights to things because it's like, number one, you don't even know if you own it. But number two, you got to make sure that you're not infringing on someone else's brand. The other piece of that is not only how much, you know, how tied to the name, how much does the name matter to you, but also where you at in the process because you can – secure rights to a name you can get an application filed for a trademark before you even bring something to life which I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't know about but Mm -hmm. it's really powerful um you know as I mentioned earlier we were talking I'm having I have a brand that's coming to life in June I have trademarks filed for all of that and it hasn't even launched yet Uh, but Mm -hmm. it is coming and it's coming soon so it's a way to secure rights to a name and make sure that you're going to have priority to that uh the process is just a little bit different but it doesn't vary Mm -hmm. too much you just have to submit proof down the road that hey i am in fact using this brand name and i did bring this to life and these are the different ways that i'm using it
0: so for example if someone someone's business was to just be named their name what would Mm -hmm. that look like
1: filing a trademark um
0: even on just your name
1: Yes, yeah, so you can even do it on just your name yeah especially that's really powerful for personal brands you know mm. um it's when you have a personal brand it's so close to you that it is important to secure those it, those are things though that getting into the law a little bit more on that there's few caveats to that and there's a few things that would be different that you would have to deal with when trademarking your name um, but it's still important you can't The mm-hmm. downside to that is if someone else has the same name as you you can't prevent them from having the same name as you right, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> like, yeah you have
0: to change it <laughs> right?
1: but you can prevent them from using it in the same way that you do and in the right. manner that you do so that's when it's important to look at how you're using your name, how what are you using it in connection with? What goods are you selling? What services are you selling? The different ways that you're using it really come into play there.
0: And then as far as people who because obviously we have a lot of listeners who are also coaches or who have created some type of educational format, is the process very similar for trademarking something like a course name? And is that also a situation where you can trademark it before or is there any Anything, is is there anything you have to have in place before you move forward with trademarking like a course name, for example?
1: Nope. So... All of that, the trademarking process is going to be the same for no matter what it is that you're trademarking. Um, the only time it varies is if either A, you've brought it to life or B, you haven't brought it to life yet. And if you haven't brought it to life yet, the the, the only thing that you need is to have a bona fide intent is the legal terminology um, mm-hmm. to bring it to life. And that essentially just means I'm not just filing this for shits and gigs. Like, I'm right. filing this because I do intend to use it, right? plans are in motion. This is coming to life. I legally, truthfully, wholeheartedly am doing this. I'm not just filing it Mm. for whatever reason, you know? So as long as you have that, then, then you can file.
0: And how long does that process usually take for people?
1: The trademarking process. That's a great question. It's a really long time. So it can be roughly around, around like a year or more. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize. It's a long time. It's a long time. I know that the USPTO is slow. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know the government. What do you
1: you expect? So pretty much, when you file, you don't hear anything back for about six months, which is crazy. And hopefully, they they get better. A lot of trademarks Mm -hmm. were filed during the pandemic, you know. Um, so Mm -hmm. hopefully things start speeding up a little bit. But yeah, it takes a long time before a mark is even assigned to an examining attorney. So it's important to to get that in that's the other thing I think that the time can really intimidate people and they're like I don't want to go through this really long process the good news to that is all the quote-unquote work is really done on the front end right like we're clearing the name we're searching it we're getting that application in and once that's in you just kind of when you're working with an attorney at least like we keep you updated throughout the process but most of that work is on the front end and then it's just kind of like a responding game to anything the USPTO says and letting it go through that process until it it gets registered. The other thing um, that's important is that when it comes to it being so long, people are like, well, I don't want to wait that long. I don't want to go through that process right now. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is when you file for a mark, it all comes down to priority. So, like, if you get your mark in first, you will have priority over it. And so, if you wait, if you wait, you're wait, you like, I don't want to do it now. Like, I'll do it six months from now. Well, you know, three months later, someone else goes in and files for the mark that you have filed. And so, it's, it's one of those things. And they're going to get priority for the mark because they filed it first. So, getting it's a long process, but getting it in as soon as you can is important.
0: And is that, so obviously you need to be working with a lawyer for them to actually file your trademark for you. Is there a way that people can do a search themselves to find if a name is trademarked or not that they're interested in using before they then work with a lawyer to trademark it themselves?
1: Yep. Two things. So one, you can do it yourself. You can file your trademark on your own, um, which I think is really powerful. There, there are you know DIY options. The other thing is that you can search, you can search on test. It's the trademark electronic search system. If you type in test and do Google, you'll find it and you can search a name there. The only thing to be aware of is test is really limited. So mm-hmm. it's, it's good for direct hits, but it's not the end all be all. You know, I've done test searches for people before and it's like, yeah, like nothing shows up, but then when they work with us and we actually dive in and do the full comprehensive search, we use the software, it pulls results from everywhere, anything that could be confusingly similar. Um, and then we look at those results, then things will pop up. So when it comes mm-hmm. to tests, if you type in Starbucks, just normal Starbucks, all of Starbucks different trademarks will pop up. If you type in Starbucks with two S's, nothing will pop up. Well, Mm -hmm. just because you add an extra S onto that doesn't mean that they're going to allow that trademark to go through. Why? Because it's too, quote-unquote, confusingly similar. So Mm -hmm. just because the mark isn't identical doesn't mean that the USPTO will allow that to go through and get registered. The whole goal is to really protect your brand name so they don't want anyone coming in and, you know, securing rights to a brand name that's too confusingly similar. Say a company tried to file for Pepsi with two eyes or something like that, and they tried to sell pop. Right. They weren't able to let that go through, right? So those are things to be aware of, too.
0: Right. That makes sense. So, okay, so for anyone who is not even necessarily a new business owner, but just a business owner in general, is there anything that is seen as a necessity for them or that isn't seen as a necessity for them that actually needs to be? And then on the flip side of that, I also wanted to know your thoughts on anything that is seen as a necessity that doesn't actually need to be, especially in the beginning phases of getting everything set up.
1: So two sides to that. Number one, I think a lot of people think that off the bat – oh, I need an LLC and that's the end all be all. So mm-hmm. I want, let me explain what an LLC is and what the purpose of it is, because it is important, mm-hmm. but it's not like, oh my God, this is the end all be all. And I feel like LLCs are the thing that right. tri- trips people up so much. And I'm like, oh my yeah. goodness, like it is, it's important, but it's like not that huge of a deal. Right. So yeah. what it does is when you have an LLC, it separates you from your business. It protects you. You personally, and it separates your business assets from your personal assets. What this means is if someone sues you, it creates this shield between you and your business. And so, when someone's trying to quote unquote, the legal terminology is to pierce the corporate veil, and they're trying to come in and collect on a judgment because you got sued and they won, and they're trying to collect on it, having an LLC means you can't touch the personal assets. So it protects your home. It protects your car. It protects all of your personal assets, but not your business ones. Okay, so that's what the LLC does. It creates this little bubble around you to protect your personal assets. Mm-hmm. What it does not do is mean that you own the business name or the brand name. Like that is something that people are like, "Well, I have an LLC, so like I own this right. name, and you can't use it." And that is so false. So mm-hmm. LLCs are important, but it's not like the end all, the end all be all. And I think a lot of people. Like that's, that's the main thing that they think they need, which again, it's important, but be aware of the purpose of it. The other thing it does is then you can, you know, you open up a business bank account, you get an EIN and you start operating like a business. So of course it's good, but again, it's just, it's like the bottom level that you just need to get and you're good. Um, And then we get to contracts, Right. A lot of people think they don't need contracts. You need contracts. People are like, Oh, I do I do soul contracts. I, I will tell you what, a soul contract will not protect you. I've never heard thing. that
0: in my life. What is the that what is a contract.
1: Someone someone oh, don't get me started. Okay. Someone made this whole thing on Instagram and you know I had to like go all my stories about it, it <laughs> You were just just type of Yes, I'm like what a soul contract, I like I I understand, here's the thing, you don't want to work with people who don't want to work with you, so that's fine, if you want to let someone out of a contract, let someone out of a contract, but at least have it there to protect you, because here's, I'm going to get heated, I'm getting heated over here, (laughs) I'm going to start screaming, contracts not only protect you as a business, they protect the people that you work with. So I would say don't trust people who don't use contracts because not only are they there to protect you as a business, they're there to protect your clients too. They're there to tell your mm-hmm. clients, hey, not only am I limiting my liability, but I promise I'm not going to take all the information that you share with me and run with mm-hmm. it and give it to all my other clients. Right. So it's, it's, it's really there to protect both parties. Um, and so it's not just when it comes to being a business owner, it's not just about you, it's not just about protecting you, it's also about making sure your clients feel comfortable and your clients are protected and then we get to trademarks and I think trademarks maybe I'm biased but trademarks are so important especially because I'm just Mm -hmm. deep into it all day every day and copycats are literally everywhere and the types of problems that people run into when it comes to these these things are monumental like it Mm -hmm. the money that comes into play is not something to joke around with like the type of damages that can be awarded are not something to play around with and so trademarks yeah. are so important if you care about your brand name you need a trademark period and I think a lot of people are just like oh it's optional and it's really not mm-hmm. because at any given time someone could come along and be like oh that's not trademarked <laughs> nowadays <laughs> let me do friends, it <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and so it's really important to make sure that you are securing your brand you're not just Building it, but you're laying the foundation to. You're not just painting the walls, but you're making sure that the walls are built on a solid foundation for you to continue yeah. to grow and continue to scale.
0: I love that you brought up the fact that contracts protect clients because I don't think people sometimes realize how many, or at least in a good contract. Obviously, you've written most of my contracts, actually all of my contracts. (laughs) And there's so much in there about privacy as far as what you can disclose when working with clients. I mean, especially from like a coaching perspective or even from a service provider perspective. If you are, for example, a virtual assistant and you are all inside someone's business, you know more about them than probably most of their friends know about them because you are so involved. And then from like the coaching perspective as well, people are sharing so many vulnerable things with you that it. I think that it does help them feel so much more comfortable knowing, okay, my coach is also held by this contract of, hey, I'm not going to go tell everyone that I know what you're struggling with. So I love that you brought that up too because I think people tend to only think of contracts in terms of like money and timing and things like mm-hmm. that.
1: Mm -hmm. no it's really and it's a testament because I feel like people will get nervous when signing contracts and so Mm -hmm. just like understanding it from that perspective too like no no no. it's not just to make sure that whoever you're hiring is getting paid on time and they're doing what they say they're going to do but Mm -hmm. that your information is protected right and that you are going to stay secure like it truly is for both parties I've even seen stuff where you know People will have, like, different forms, and this is sketchy, but, you know, it's the online space. So you there's these forms that you fill out for whatever it is, whoever someone's wanting to work with, and you give all of your ideas. Tell me what you're thinking about or what you want to bring to life or this and that. Mm. And people will dive in and fill everything, their entire business model, their entire business suite, and they will never hear back from whoever they were trying to hire. And then all of a sudden, they're taking all this information and they're running with it.
0: Oh, my God. I never even – there's so many layers to it. it. Obviously, that's why you do what you do. But that is so crazy because you never Mm -hmm. even would think about it from that perspective, filling out an inquiry form or something with like a high-level coach. That's something you would never even think of. You're like, oh, yeah, this seems normal. Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's like before you spill the tea or give away all your information, like have people sign non disclosures, you know, so they can't just go take that. Because not only can they take it and run with it themselves, who's to say they don't already have a client that does the same thing and then they take all of that information Mm -hmm. and give it to, you know, the client that's already paying them.
0: Yeah. Non-disclosures are sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Even being able to be like, here, here's an NDA. <laughs> you're like, Seriously. wow, so cool. Okay. All <laughs> uh, the time. So, so I have a question for you about um, location. So, mm-hmm. I think that this one is kind of one that a big thing that comes into play with online businesses because what types of situations are a situation where an online business owner would need a lawyer that's in their state if there is one. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of situations like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's going to come
1: down to when you're litigating or when it's specifically within that state like when it's transactional things of that sort in that state you're selling a car you're selling a home um if it's Mm -hmm. anything that comes down to litigation or where the laws of that particular state are really important they're going to come into play that's when you're going to want to have someone in your specific state but you know when it comes to like contracts aren't federal but when they're in the online space Mm -hmm. you're working with people in so many different states um that doesn't matter as much but when it comes to trademarks trademarks are federal so you don't even need to it doesn't matter if you work with someone in your state or out of your state like it's federal federal law so
0: yeah state law doesn't even come into play so for example if you were to help someone get a trademark and someone Mm -hmm. is violating that trademark you would you be able to then take care of all of the kind of pushback that needs to come with that or what could it eventually Be something that is in court where that person would then need to transition over to a local lawyer.
1: it depends. Um, so enforcement in regards to cease and desist and things like that can handle in regards to federal court again can handle those things. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's just going to come down to number one, are you actually suing? But number two, mm-hmm. even though so for instance, I don't do a lot of, I don't do litigation work, I do like everything pre litigation. So there's different mm-hmm. types of attorneys. So it's not just, Oh, can you do this? The answer is yes, I can. The answer is would I or do I probably not um, mm-hmm. because I don't want to do litigation. I find not to be excessively stressful. Yeah, <laughs> so, I you know,
0: don't, I don't even know how lawyers do it. Like I can just say imagine like the first time you get on like a discovery call to as like a service provider and you're just like sweating and red face. Like, how do people do this cross examining in court and stuff? It's so crazy to me.
1: I know it's, you know, so there's even law is so nuanced, right? Not only from the types of law, but even within a certain type of law, what people do within that specific type of law, because there's, Mm -hmm. you know, the prosecution of trademarks, which is like what I focus on, right? We get you your Mm -hmm. trademark. And then there's things between the trademark trial and appeal board. So doing different hearings or things that's a form of, in essence of litigation but it's in front of the trademark trial and appeal board and that's with the USPTO for matters Mm. that stay specifically in front of them and then it gets to okay what if something's in federal court because there's infringement or this or that so there's so many layers even within a certain set of law that yeah Yeah. there's a lot that goes into it
0: there really is I'm how what was law (laughs) school like for you like what what how old were you when you started
1: I started when did I graduate
0: I started law school when I was
1: 21, I believe. And I how started long? when I was 21. Um, so I it, law school generally takes three years. I did it in two and a half. so I, I just went right through because I wanted to graduate early, so I didn't take summers off or anything like that. I was just taking multiple classes and stacking them. Um, so I could kind of get through that earlier. And yeah, so I got through it in two and a half years and it was law school is something that I, everyone looks at law school as something like, oh my God, this is like the hardest thing you're ever going to do in your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it wasn't hard, but it's not the type of hard that people think it is. It's, it's not hard because of the material. It's hard because of the time commitment and the determination that's what makes it hard, right? Because you're busy and you have a lot to do and you're stressed and they intentionally do that because they rewire your brain. That's the point of law school. Mm -hmm. They rewire your brain to think a certain way, to operate a certain way, to write a certain way. And so that process itself is tiring, but the material Mm -hmm. itself isn't like, oh my God, this is impossible to learn. It's not, you can do it, absolutely. So,
0: And, but do you, I don't know why I thought it was so much longer than that, but that's, do you have to go... Do you have to have qualifications before you go into law school? Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, number one, obviously, you have to have a high school degree, and then you have to have four years at a university.
0: Okay. So, it mm-hmm. ends up being, like, roughly seven yeah. years before yeah. you're fully. Wow. That's so much school. <laughs> before, I know. Like, my, my college dropout head, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> it's it's so
1: intimidating, and then, like, you get through it, and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I yeah. thought do that. And I did it. If I could go back... But if, and if there's any lawyers listening to this or any not lawyers if there's any like people who are thinking about going Inspiring to law school you want to go to law school yeah I would say don't <laughs> that's my best <laughs> <piece of> advice <laughs> don't um yeah, knowing what I know now here's here's the thing I think law school was good for me as a human because it taught me that I can do quite literally anything I put my mind to and mm-hmm. I don't think if I wouldn't have gone Through that, I wouldn't have had that belief in myself. That's what law school did for me. Law school gives you, obviously, credibility, right? Like, you're automatically an authority. You automatically have credibility. But knowing what I know now, if I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to start my own business, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, I wouldn't. Have gone the law school route. The only way I would say it's a good idea to go to law school is if you are getting a full or almost full ride, or you're one of those people where you're like, this is my ultimate dream and I will never be anything else. And I have to do this. Then yeah. please pursue your passion. But I see so many people are like, Oh yeah, I might go to law school. I'm and I'm like, no, 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 no don't like <laughs> yeah. if you're like the least bit on the, on the fence about it or you don't know, don't do it don't do it at all and every lawyer yeah. I talk to says the same exact thing so
0: mm. and what because what is it usually like what is the median cost for law school
1: expensive like it was like 40k a year and then you you know yeah. if you're taking out loans you're doing living on top of it and it depends on what school you're going to my right. transparency it was like 40k a year yeah and then with living you know I mean you get hundreds of thousand of dollars out in loans so yeah. it's it's no joke and then you're just in a shit ton of debt unless you are getting a full ride and then another thing for transparency purposes people are like oh I'm gonna go to law school and then I'm gonna get a job at a firm and the reason I was like absolutely not I'm not taking a job at a firm is because my first firm offer was $60,000
0: wow
1: $60,000
0: you're like it's it's not even worth it
1: I could go do that with my college degree. And you're telling me right. I just paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to law school with all this training. And like, yeah. I'm smart and I'm getting, like, it's not even livable. That's not even livable.
0: And That's so it's like, crazy. yeah. It's like similar and- to nursing, too. I mean, it's, you know, nursing is nowhere near as extensive, in my opinion, as of schooling as law school probably is. But I, thought, I was like, I, Ended up looking at like the median or like the starting rate for a lot of nurses, and it was around that, like 65 70 k. And I was just like, "What is the point? Like, it's crazy. You can make six figures starting a business online immediately. Your first exactly. year, you can do that. Exactly, it's crazy.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it, but you, you have, and some people, you know, the other thing, some people don't want to be business owners. Some people are like, "I'm not built for yeah. it. Yeah. I want to work. It. And that's, you know, if that's mm-hmm. you, that's fine. But I'm someone who's like honestly, number one, hard for me to work for other people. Like, I'm totally cool working for myself. Number two, I, like, I cannot, I can't only make 60k a year. There's no way. Right,
0: right. Not what are, like, the, what are, like, the top earning lawyers in, like, the field that don't maybe have a business online or ha- don't have their own firm? Like, what does that look like? What is the <laughs> um, like their salary?
1: so, like, intellectual property lawyers make pretty much the most out of anyone um, when they're working at a corporate job. So if you're working corporate, IP is just like a high level. And so, you know, you're going to make probably six figures. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you're partner, you're probably not going to make over, you know – like 200k six figures like you're not going to mm-hmm. cross depths like that unless you are a partner if you own a firm or you're a partner in a firm that's where you're going to start making more money and making the most money because you obviously own it um the mm-hmm. other people who do really well in law are personal injury lawyers personal you know mm-hmm. criminal injury. yeah, yeah. Uh, but again Owning, owning your firm, because my job offer was at a personal injury firm, they were offering me 60k. And like, I get it, you know, you're a brand new lawyer, like, they have to, I I get it. But at the same time, you know, when you're being told you're going to work 12 hours a day, but you know, after five years, we'll give you like a paid for one week vacation, but you're right. oh and wow. and right. right and other benefit you get a gym membership yay we pay for your gym I'm like oh my god you know and so they're saying that and I'm just like yeah no not for me
0: that's wild are there yeah. any lawyers making over seven figures
1: yeah there definitely are especially yeah. if you own your firm right <clears> that's <throat> where that's where it is if, if you're just a lawyer mm. working for someone or in corporate, no, no. Mm.
0: So, what would you be, what would, if you could go back and you wouldn't have gone to law school, what do you think? Like, what do you see yourself doing?
1: So, I think I'm more creative, right? So, actually, what's interesting too, this is fun. So, when I was in law school, I actually was like, God, this is like killing my brain, right? Like, I need something yeah. fun. I was taking, I paid into first photography classes when I was in really? law school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really into photography. So, I think that's fun. I don't know if there's a specific thing I would have done because now knowing everything, I know I'm just like business owner. Like in some fashion would be a business yeah. owner because I wouldn't want to work for someone else. But I would probably yeah. be doing something more creative. I would be more of a creative mm-hmm. business owner. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it often it's interesting because a lot of times leading up to starting your own business, even if you were creative as whenever you were younger, kind of going through school and being in corporate or being in college, sometimes it dulls that creativity. So you think, oh, I'm just not creative anymore. And then when you start your own business, you're like, okay, I am. It's just in a different way than I was thinking. And it was being stifled this whole time because of the situations that I was in.
1: So, exactly, that's cool. exactly. And I think being a business owner allows you to utilize both sides. Yeah. You know, I am, mm-hmm. I am very strategic, like I am very analytic. like I, yeah. but you, you can be both things. Like you don't have to be stuck in mm-hmm. a box. You can be both things.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. So, okay. So some questions for you for as far as like business owners who I guess your perspective in general on when is the right time to have a lawyer maybe like on retainer or as a continuous part of your team? Is that something you kind of build up to or is that something that you suggest people do right out of the gate?
1: So, you know, at the end of the day, it's not like when you're working with a lawyer, it's not like I have to pay you every single month or something. I think Mm -hmm. that it's important to build a relationship with a lawyer right out of the Mm -hmm. gate. You may not need to have them on retainer right out of the gate, but building a relationship with someone is going to be really important. At least talking to them, getting an idea of, okay, what does your business need for them being able to like, look at it, bird's eye view. Okay. This is your business. These are the different things that you are going to need. Um, and you know, get that, get that set up, get that in the works, just so you're aware of the different legalities that are coming into play when it comes into your particular business model. And then just having that relationship for when you need things, you have someone to go to that you already know, that Mm -hmm. understands your business, they know what you're doing, they're ready and willing to be involved. So it's not necessarily, you know, you need someone in retainer, but it's definitely important to build a relationship.
0: Yeah. And then for the people who have started a business, but they're maybe not in a position to be able to afford a lawyer yet, I think that can get tricky because... Obviously, none of us are fans of, uh, you know, giving right. advice all the time in the DMs like you don't expect people to work for you for free so what does that situation look like like is there a place that people can get legal answers from a trusted source without you know having to spend a ton of money or what just what does that whole situation look like for people what do you suggest?
1: If all, I'll answer like when people are basic like in my DMs right if someone's in my DMs I'm like yeah. hey here's the
0: thing um
1: you know I put out a lot of free content so like half time you can get answers just by looking at my content. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to have to dive through and you might have to search a little bit because I posted a lot, but you can find a lot of answers just in free content. If it goes beyond that, there's also other resources available. I've tried to create a resource for every single service that I offer. Mm -hmm. So if someone doesn't want to hire a lawyer, hire me one-on-one, they still have an alternative that they can learn how to do it themselves and have it be done right. Like with everything that I've done or created, I've literally just taken a USB plug from my brain and put it into whatever it is so then they can take that material and understand what they need, why they need it and how to do it. Whether that's, you know, an LLC course or contract templates or a trademark course people now have resources to do those things even if they're not ready to hire me or another lawyer one on one.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I love that. I think it's very similar to not not exactly similar, but the concept is similar to my business where there are some people who can't afford to immediately jump into, mm-hmm. you know, a higher cost course to teach them everything, but usually Even if you are a completely new business owner, you either have one of two things. You have your time or you have your money. So you have to choose which one of those you want to give up. If you want to pay to kind of get you from A to B faster or if you want to spend the time to do it on your own. But I think a lot of people just – get in that mode of, well, I can't afford it right now. Therefore, I have no option when that really isn't the case, especially when there are now people like you. This may not have been an option before. You, know, you could Google things, but it's like, okay, how reliable is this resource? But when there's someone like you who is actually a lawyer who is giving this information out, you know that it's coming from a trusted source. It's just a matter of you taking the initiative to find the information that you're looking for, like you said. Absolutely. And, you know, when it comes
1: to all things legal, a lot of people, I think, number one, get intimidated about it. And they think that it's scary. At the end of the day, like, it's not scary, you just have to understand how things operate. And so when it comes to all these things, I do my best to, you know, provide as much information as I can, as far as it goes, this is how it operates. This is why it's important. And this is exactly how you do it and how I would do it. You know, and a lot of my resources I give, and I walk through, I share my screen and give a walkthrough tutorial of this is exactly every single step that I would take and then provide them with tools of now this is how I would think about it and why I would Mm -hmm. think about it this way you know here's how you should think about it things like that
0: yeah I think that also a lot of people have a misconception that because they're new it's so much scarier and while that can be true in some ways you never really reach a point in your business where you're like okay i understand the legalities i understand the finances i understand investing i know all of it you really don't it's there's just so much to know and i think there's so much value in just well, for one thing, understanding that you probably will not deeply understand every facet of that, but it's a matter of just making sure that you are taking the steps to be proactive with it and do as much as possible to protect yourself. But then also realizing that so much of it comes just with experience. There are so mm-hmm. many things in my businesses in business, especially with like finances, mm-hmm. that i was I just had to be like, okay, I'm just gonna have to figure this out, you know when that yeah. time comes because sometimes there's no way to perfectly have all of that laid out and figured out in the beginning because your business evolves and grows so much in the online space. So there's never I think people think that experienced business owners have it all figured out. they do not at all. It's all a constant process.
1: 100% even with contracts like I just changed my contract yeah. right because it's like you continue to grow and evolve and it, it depends on you figure out what you like and what you don't like and the more you know mm-hmm. about that and the more you know about your processes and how things work then you're able to fine-tune things even more yeah. so you know it, it is it's a, it comes from growth it comes from experience and it just you have to go through the process there's no way around it
0: Hmm. I agree so last question I have for you and then we'll wrap things up, um, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on if there's any or some, what some of the like biggest legal traps or, um, I guess, misconceptions that new business owners fall into. And then kind of same question with experienced business owners, if they're different, if they're the same.
1: Yeah, for newer business owners, I would just say thinking things don't apply to you because at the end of the day, they do. And even you know, it's it's a mindset shift thing, really, where it's like mm-hmm. you are never too small to face legal problems, and that sucks, yeah. right? But like, you're never too small to face legal problems. But on the flip side of that mindset, you are never too small to get protected and to have all of this figured out um and then for bigger business owners I think that people think you know we kind of just touched on it but it's like okay well I got my legal stuff figured out like five years ago and now I'm good well you grow and you evolve so does your business Mm -hmm. legalities have to follow you right like your your legal protections have to grow and evolve with you So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, overall, it's not just a one and done sort of thing. That's why building a relationship is so important because you, as you grow and as your business continues to grow and evolve, so will your protection. Mm
0: -hmm. And what have you seen a lot of, like, what are some of the biggest shifts you feel like you've seen since you first started in the online space? Like you were just talking about having to update contracts and things like that. What are some of the, like, overarching theme changes you've seen since then?
1: intellectual property all things ip because in this in this online space it is so like it's like cutthroat and it's competitive and because people operate in the online space it's not like oh you're just like quickly driving by a brick and mortar business it's like people will stalk you and they'll stalk your website and they'll stalk all your instagram photos and they'll stalk all of these things and become obsessed with you and then they'll like replicate everything that you do right yeah. so even yeah. some of it's subconscious too i feel like people are subconsciously taking inspiration from other places but all all things intellectual property because there's people mm-hmm. always copy people especially in the online space so making sure that you're protected on that end is just tremendous
0: yeah so many courses so yeah. much yeah there's so much intellectual property out there now yeah. online it is crazy yeah. I mean, and there's so fake I, accounts. There's this oh freaking God. fake account of me. It has like 2,000 followers. Oh. And I'm like, this. it's just crazy. It's crazy what you can do in the online space. You can just replicate someone in, in their entirety. Overnight.
1: It, Overnight.
0: It's wild. Overnight.
1: Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. It's
0: scary. It's well, crazy the way it well, happens. So do you want to talk a little bit about the services that you offer for any business owner who has listened to this and they're like, okay, I got some stuff to do. Do you want to talk about what offers you have?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we help people secure their intellectual property and their trademarks and get all of their contracts set up right. Um, Whether you are looking to work with someone one-on-one, you know, hire, hire a lawyer and we kind of do it all for you or take a more DIY approach, there are resources available for that one thing that I that I just came out with because people ask about it all the time we were talking about LLCs It's you know yep. I came out with a course called LLC and one two three and it literally walks you through exactly what to do I am like mm-hmm. I do not want to do anyone's LLC you can absolutely do it on your own like it is mm-hmm. one of those things that I'm just like I it's do it yourself I would rather you invest yeah. in other things right so do the LLC yourself for sure and then also I have numerous contract templates and yeah. available tons. And I'll we'll say it here. We haven't even formally announced this yet because we're doing Ooh. a lot of background work. I know I'm super excited, but all of the different bundles, cause I have a, shit ton of different like scale successful bundles we're going to be combining mm-hmm. all of them into one nice. so yes yes so anyone who has access to the bundle already or will have access in the future will gain access to literally every single contract template i've ever created so oh it's massive. Awesome. i know it's huge and then as well as an um, asset protection program so app which is the signature trademark course it's my child it's my baby it's like i put everything in that course I'm obsessed with it mm-hmm. so I uh, that's been huge because I still get messages where people are like yeah I went on and I filed another one of my trademarks and I did this and I did that I'm just like a proud mom so to I, know. I love <laughs> it. it's
0: great
1: it's fun to see so whether mm-hmm. someone's ready to you know work with a lawyer one-on-one because we just launched two subscription services so for people mm-hmm. who are like I have a bunch of different trademarks. You know, I need registered. I want in you know, one flat monthly fee, yeah. and I want you to secure a bunch of them. We've started working with people in that manner, and that's been really powerful. Perfect. So, whether it's you know one on one or or a DIY mm-hmm. approach, there are resources available.
0: Awesome. And what's your um, where can people find you? What's your handle on everything?
1: My Instagram handle is at lawyer It is the same on TikTok. Although I'm I'm trying to get on the TikTok friends. Okay. <laughs> Gary V. I I get it. Like, I need to post
0: four a day, he says. Yeah, but... I, was ju- I just saw that on my feed. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like, I'm behind. I'll post one every four weeks. But, yeah, so definitely on Instagram. though. I'm very active there. Lauren, yeah. P.M.K.
0: Love it. Well, go check Chandler out. She has a lot. You also have a lot of like spicy hot cakes on your Instagram, which I am always there for. I always love that. So yeah, it's a fun time being over there. Um, like I said, I've worked with Chandler. She's my lawyer lawyer as well. And I love her. So if you need any help, go check her out. We'll also have all of her information in the show notes of where you can find her. And thank you so much for being here, Chandler.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great talking with you.
0: Of course. All right. I'll talk to everyone on the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at thedigitalstateofmind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious. Okay. (laughs) Talk to you next time.